0: So dear brothers and sisters, uh, since this is Divine Mercy Sunday, as I said at the beginning of Mass, there are enormous graces available to us on this day. Uh, it's a day where the Lord himself promises, promises uh, an outpouring of grace and mercy on all who wish to receive it. And the conditions are very, very simple to this is the feast day, so that we receive Holy Communion. On this day, and that we go to confession around this time doesn't necessarily have to be on this day, uh, and then to do so with with this desire to not sin again, which is what we should be doing when we go to confession anyway. But the Lord wants to make all these graces available to us because He wants to make it as easy as possible for us to get to heaven. So this isn't—it's not like a—it's not a good look charm or it's not a, a, a rabbit's foot or anything like that. This is this is real. All the grace was won for us on the cross. The Lord makes it available to us, even at Mass, Holy Communion, what you do to receive God into you, very, very little. So God is trying to make it as easy as possible for us uh, to receive grace. And he says, I desire the Feast of Divine Mercy be a refuge and shelter for all souls, especially for poor sinners. On that day, the very depths of my tender mercy are open. I pour out a whole ocean of grace upon the souls who approach the font of my mercy. The soul that will go to confession and receive Holy Communion shall shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. On that day, all the divine floodgates through which grace flow are opened. Let no soul fear to draw near to me, even though its sins be as scarlet. My mercy is so great that no mind, be it of mind or angel, will be able to fathom it through all eternity. So, who doesn't want this? Who doesn't want that kind of grace? Who doesn't want that kind of purification? Who doesn't want the the opportunity to start again, to have a clean slate, to receive complete forgiveness from God? Many moons ago, in my socialising days, uh, a friend of mine asked if I'd like to go to a uh, a, a concert, more or less, a, a big dance event. Uh, and I said, sure, I will, no problem at all. So he said, yeah, and a friend of mine is, well, he said, a guy I know is driving up so we can travel up with him. So I said, sure, sounds good. So we met up, and uh, this guy pulls up in a Honda Accord. It was a 2.2-litre petrol, so quite a quite a powerful car. And uh, we got into the car, and the guy driving was a share older than us. So we were in our, I was about 19, 20, 20 um, This guy must have been in his early thirties. So we got into the car anyway, and we then noticed that he was taking drugs while driving uh, on our way up to this concert. We were going faster than what might have been recommended uh, in certain spots. Uh, And I remember thinking, this could be a really big mistake. Uh, But I'm stuck now, what do I do? What do I do? We got there safe and sound and he brought us home all safe and sound. All good. All good. But I remember just, I was thinking about that this morning because the issue of trust, the question of trust came up in my mind. That all day, every day, we've mentioned this before, all day, every day we trust people. Without like, Implicitly, we trust people. Every time you get into a car you presume that the mechanic has done his job right and that your brakes will work. You presume that the guy who made the brake pads didn't put in chalk but proper components to make your car stop especially every time you get into a plane you presume that the mechanics have done their job every time you eat food you presume that those who grew it those who produced it and those who cooked it did their job right all day every we presume that the government know what they're doing we presume uh, that that scientists when they talk about air quality or whatever it may be we, we presume our water is healthy we trust. We are Implicitly, we are constantly trusting people around us with very, very important things like our lives and our health and our finances and our future. We're implicitly trusting people all the time. When it comes to trusting God, I think one area where, where we struggle, one area which we find difficult to trust God is, is that we can't trust God and maintain complete control at the same time. No more than you can trust the pilot and the mechanics, and maintain complete control over the engineering and the flying and the whatever else goes on in the plane. You you can't have complete control. And even if you did have complete control over it, do you know what you're doing? I mean, if I if you had if you serviced your own car, do you know what you're doing? Have you ever done it before? Like. Have, so when it comes to trust, we can't trust and maintain complete control of things. So I think that, that, that's something that, that if we're going to trust God, then we have to eventually start accepting. If I'm going to trust him, I have to start giving him control. I have to start allowing him to direct things. And, and this, this absolutely can be done. Personally, I think it's, it's helpful... To start with the with the smaller things. It's like like any anything that you're learning. You start with the, the smaller, simple things, and then eventually you get to the big things. I think it's very hard to trust God directing our lives if I can't trust him to direct my breakfast. You know, if, if I can't trust God with the smaller things, with the ordinary things, then when it comes to the big decisions of life, I'm not going to listen to him. I'm not going to recognise his voice, and I definitely won't do what he says. Because I'm not used to it. Oh, why, why, why would I? Whereas when I get used to allowing God to direct me in the small conversations, the small interactions, the small emails and texts and phone calls and uh, the ordinary actions of a day and ask God, to guide me. Guide me. Show me what you want. Show me what you don't want. Guide me around this. The more I can do that in the small things, then when the bigger decisions come, I'm used to hearing his voice and I'm used to doing what he says. And that way I can maintain, I can have trust in him and yet give him control but without feeling like I'm in free fall. Because giving God control doesn't mean you have no responsibility. It doesn't mean you have nothing to do. We still have to make our decisions and be responsible for them. But we absolutely can and should be inspired by the light of the Holy Spirit. And then obey what he directs. And what's wonderful is sometimes what he says and what he wants is exactly what you want. Sometimes what he says and what he wants is the opposite of what you want. That's how you also know you discern incorrectly. If if you if the way you discern things, God always happens to say exactly what you want or exactly what you think. I would question your discernment, because if 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 your if your mind is always the same as God's, then you're like God. Uh, I'd have my doubts. So on occasion, and look at the lives of the saints. On occasion, God will 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 allow something in your life that causes you to change direction to go a direction you didn't expect possibly a direction you didn't want if you look at the the, the lives of the martyrs it's interesting St. Francis uh, Francis of Assisi wanted to go on one of the crusades wanted to die a martyr okay so this was this was his goal so he went and there he was surrounded by soldiers and he a Franciscan unarmed so he wanted to die a martyr was that God's will no so he came home alive which wasn't his intention at all then there were plenty of other saints who actually wanted to live and ended up getting arrested for the faith and dying in concentration camps or in, in, in communist Russia or who knows where or the persecution of, of, of the Christians and in, in Korea, China, Japan all those early, early the first missionaries that went to what's now Canada and America uh, so many of them didn't go with the intention of dying but gave their lives for love of the Lord How on earth could you do that if I'm not willing to ask the Lord on a daily basis in the smaller things, Lord, what do you want here? What do you want? What do you want of me? What do you want today? And to be able to say to the Lord, I give you a blank check. So if you ask me to stay, I stay. If you ask me to go, I go. If you ask me to speak, I speak. If you ask me to remain silent, I remain silent. And to allow the Lord to guide those small things. And then when the big things come, as I say, we'll recognize his voice. Your duty, says Jesus, is to trust completely in my goodness. And my duty will be to give you all you need. I am making myself dependent upon your trust. If your trust is great, then my generosity will be without limit. Imagine God saying that to you. If your trust is great, then my generosity to you will be without limit. I don't know about you, but that sounds good to me. That sounds exactly what what I need right about now. "Take Take these graces not only for yourselves, says Jesus, but also for others. That is, encourage the souls with whom you come in contact to trust in my infinite mercy. Oh, how I love these souls who have complete confidence in me. I will do everything for them. Lord Jesus, we ask you today to deepen our trust in you, deepen our trust in your providence, deepen our trust in your direction, that we, Lord, can give you control, but without feeling like we're in free fall, without feeling like we're helpless, that we might know that we're being led by the hand of a loving Father, we're being led by the pierced hand of a loving Savior. We are being enlightened by the Consoler, the Holy Spirit, who lives within us. Lord Jesus, may we experience the joy and the healing of your mercy. Amen.